0: Welcome to the At His Feet Studies podcast. I'm Chris Gordon here with Hope Layton. We together make up At His Feet Studies, and this season we are doing a podcast on the Book of Lamentations. We would love for you to follow along with us. You can do that one or two ways. You
1: can either just read along in your Bible the Book of Lamentations, or we have a study on it if you would like to follow along in that, because we'll be referencing that. Either way, we're so glad you're here.
0: Feet studies, videos, and podcasts on the book of Lamentations. I'm Chris Gordon here with Hope Blanton and today we're diving into chapter two, Lamentations. Last time we took a first look at the city of Jerusalem and what had happened in chapter one. We surveyed the damage and listened to the city herself as she cried out. We talked about some punishment the nation of Israel, including the privileged Mm -hmm. position she held as the nation that God had chosen. And that's where I want to start back today. Hope there's a quote from Paul House mm-hmm. in the study where he says some things that might feel a little startling to us. Would you read that and maybe comment on what you think he means and why is it hard for us to hear?
1: Yes. So the Paul House quote is, privilege has not shielded her. Rather, it has put her in this position. So at first glance at this quote, you're, you're like, wait, what? But her privilege was that what she was chosen. She was the beloved daughter of of God, which then gave her the responsibility of being the billboard, you know, which we had talked about a couple episodes back, God's goodness to the world, but instead had distorted his image to those around her. So this is not just about her own sin, but how she had robbed the watching world of seeing God's goodness. Mm -hmm. So she wasn't this loved, privileged daughter of God, and she would have never had to have been disciplined by him, which can seem confusing and backwards, but he was loving them by not just turning the other way and ignoring their behavior. So the way God disciplines her is through his wrath, which I feel like that word you say that word and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, mm-hmm. which is very confusing concept to us. And we've mentioned it. It's you know very mis- misunderstood part of the way we see God. So could you explain to us how wrath works?
0: Yes. Yeah, so we, we think about wrath sometimes. I think it's confusing because we think about it as a variation of human anger, only worse. Right. Totally. Only bigger. Right. Yeah. So we think it's like when we completely lose our temper and we function in a rage, we're out of control. We hurt people because we've reached our limit somehow. It feels scary, unhinged, damaging. Yes. But that is a totally false template of God's wrath. Mm-hmm. First of all, our anger is always has mixed motives. There may be some anger in us that's justified or righteous. Yeah. Motivated by love. And you know, it comes from a place where we want to protect others, Mm -hmm. but in us, in humans, it's always mixed with some kind of sinful motives. Maybe it's impatience or selfishness or jealousy. I mean, the list could go on. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's different with wrath is it's not an eternal characteristic of God, meaning it's not a central part of his identity. It's, it's not like love or faithfulness or mercy, which are eternal characteristics of who God is. God could go a wow. thousand years. Uh-huh. God could go forever and never exhibit wrath and still be who he is. Wrath is only exhibited in response to our sin.
1: Wow. This is a huge concept. It
0: is. And it, it's, never, it's never just who he is. It's in response to the sinfulness of humans. So it's only ever out of love. Mm -hmm. for the good of those being protected or sought after or advocated for. So we don't say God is wrath like we say God is love because it's not true. God is love, and that wrath serves that love. Mm. So here's the tricky part, because even though it's out of love, it's still God that's causing the pain and acting like the enemy. I mean, he talks about God like he acts like an enemy. And lots of people, including Christians, really struggle with this. Yes. I think this
1: is often one of the hardest tensions for us as believers to hold, you know, that God would allow suffering in our lives. I have known so many people who've walked away from the faith because of this tension, feeling like if they were God, they would not do this. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, there's hundreds of books written on this topic. So I'm not sure my thoughts can add much, but I will say, I think we often think that we're more loving or wise than God that we would accomplish these things he does in a pain-free way without using suffering. But if you stop and think about that, that's a very arrogant thought, you know, that God, who not only invented love, but is love, who not only invented wisdom, but is all wise, that we are somehow better than him when it comes to the topic of allowing suffering. Mm -hmm. But if he is love and all wise, then we, we have to hold this tension in place with the suffering that we've experienced and ask the Holy Spirit to make sense of something that is beyond our ability to grasp.
0: Yeah, that is well said. That's well said. And it feels like in this book, coming back to Lamentations, that it's ridiculous the mercy that he would give us, that after giving the people of Jerusalem this punishment that they actually deserved, we see God inviting these people to bring their pain to him that he is listening to the voices of those who have suffered this trauma. He's not interrupting them. He's not saying, I told you so, which he would have been justified to do. He's not silencing them. He's just listening. He's sitting with them in their pain. So can you talk a little bit as a therapist about bringing trauma to other people and what does it mean in the healing process, that kind of listening and that kind of that presence?
1: Yes. You know, so what an image of God letting them speak here, right? First of all, let's think about listening, you know, lament and bring their pain to him. And it makes me think of a friend years ago who got a significant, devastating diagnosis for his daughter. And he was so angry at God for allowing this, you know, every day, he'd go to work, come home and sit in the dark in his bedroom, the rest of the night. And an older man from his church found out about this. And for six months, think about this, six months came over every night and sat in the dark with him and didn't say a word. He didn't give advice. He just gave him his presence. And I think sometimes in deep suffering and trauma, that is the best thing we can give someone. You know, this is different than, you know, a therapy process for trauma, but for us doing life with each other in the church, sometimes our listening and presence is actually healing.
0: Yeah, so talk more about God in that way. How do you see His kindness in in this willingness to to listen and to even invite their words? You know, I was just thinking about that after the last. You know, after the answer to my last
1: question, the fact that God listened to this long poem of lament, even when they had deserved the punishment and they had received, says so much about God's humility, that He's not some vindictive person that likes to get even. You know, He grieves that it even had to come to this. Hmm. The cross shows us this and so does his, him listening and letting them wrestle and grieve and say all the things they did. It shows us his deep love and care for us in suffering. So, so you quote this commentator in this lesson who writes quote, could it be that this is the one place in the book where we hear the voice of God? Talk more about that. Like where, you
0: know, what are you wanting us to take away from that? Yeah, I think I also mentioned in the text that the Old Testament prophets didn't just communicate God's words to the people. They also communicated God's emotions to people. So if you think about the prophets as spokespeople for God, then we get the whole person. God isn't just a bunch of words. He's not just rules. Mm -hmm. And we're made in His image, and we're people with emotions, so He has emotions. Now They're not fallen like ours. They're not full of mixed motives and distorted. And lead him astray or lie to him like ours ours do sometimes. But his are holy, and they are altogether appropriate all the time. And you see this all through the prophets that he has emotions. I think immediately about Hosea 11, where he's talking about Israel, and I want to read just a little bit of that for you, because I think it's relevant, and God's pouring out his emotion, and and you'll hear it in these verses. This is 1 through 8, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. So these are all the things that they're doing wrong. But then here's, mm. listen to this the longing in his voice. How can I give you up, O hmm. Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. Hmm. You hear that, that love coming through these words. And ultimately, we see it most clearly in the ultimate prophet, Jesus, when he weeps. When he's on earth, he weeps for Jerusalem. He weeps when Lazarus dies. This is the compassion and emotion of God. And that's what we hear even in Lamentations. The Lord himself created these babies, each of them. He knit them together. And then they're dying in the streets. He, he is not cold and distant, but he weeps just like he wept over Jerusalem and all the other places in the gospels. And, and so then we get to the end of chapter two and we've heard all of this and we, we hear the city saying, look, look and see how bad it is. And that's her prayer. That's what she has to say to God at this point. So can you talk hope about us in the present as believers and how this might, relate to us. Is this and can this ever be our prayer?
1: Yeah, I think it's remarkable to think that this is her prayer. This might not be like any prayer that we've ever allowed ourselves to pray to the Lord. But here this text is showing us that we can and we should. And while we live in this space between the already and not yet, between pain and promise, we are living in Holy Saturday, the day after Jesus's death before his resurrection and there's lots of pain here mm-hmm. and the only re-
0: response is we is we have is to pray it to god yeah grief grief is the space between what should be and what is mm-hmm. right it's the that's the exact space that jesus steps into in order to close the gap that mm-hmm. the what should be is the garden beautiful complete content purposeful safe intimate and jesus steps into what is ugly Longing, broken, always wanting more, dangerous, discontent, lonely. And with his obedience and death and resurrection, he won the victory of closing that gap between what should be and what is. That we don't see it in full quite yet.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, remarkable. And that seems like a great place to end this portion of our discussion of Lamentations chapter 2. If you're following along in our Bible study, that's study 3. Thank you for joining us as we make our way through this rich book in the Old Testament. Join us next time for our discussion of Lamentations 3, 1 through 33. Until then, enjoy your study of the Word. See you back here next time. Thank you so much for joining us on the At His Feet Studies podcast. As always, it is so fun to hang out with y'all. If you would like to buy one of our studies or see all the different studies we have, you can visit our website at www.athisfeetstudies.com.